Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. All right. Good job, KB. Thank you so much. And you guys can be seated. Kids and teen, no, no. <laughs> just see it if you're paying attention. All right, just kids. But kids, y'all can be dismissed and go on back to the back and uh, be involved in the classes that the teachers have prepared for you. And uh, you're going to have a good time. So go and enjoy that. And thank you so much for being here. All right, well, I am getting started in a teaching series entitled Lionhearted, and we're going to get there in just one moment. But let me encourage you, uh, those things that you heard me pray about, I encourage you to continue to raise up people in this, uh, in this congregation, people in our church body who are struggling and having difficulties, whether that be financial, relational, emotional, uh, that be something spiritual in their life, that be something going on in their physical condition. We just want to encourage and lift everyone up. And so as we talked about last week, the part of being a church body is, is that we come together and we stand together. So let's continue to raise them up no matter what they're facing. All right, so today we get started with Lionhearted Living Beyond Your Fears. And let me just say something right off the bat. It's a funny thing, and it's a weird time in this life that we're living right now, because sometimes if you're not clear on exactly what you mean, people can take and run with your idea uh, that is very, very different than what you intended. So let me just be very clear. I know that we're dealing with fear and dealing with the COVID virus, and there's a fear factor with that. I am not talking about that. Okay, because if you want to just polarize people, just start talking about COVID. I mean, how you're supposed to respond to it, if it's a real thing or not, if this is the right way or that's the right way to do it. I mean, you just start talking about COVID. People get real separated real fast. Can I get an amen, right? I mean, you experienced that last Thanksgiving. It's true, right? Okay, so here's the deal. I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about fears as human beings because the truth of the matter is, is that we deal with fears in our everyday life and we had fears before COVID hit. Did you know that? It's true. It's actually a thing. And so what we're talking about today is not being motivated by our fears. Whatever that looks like in your life and in my life, we're trying to kind of put that behind us and instead be a person that lives a little bit more lion-hearted and a person that's getting a little bit more brave to get out there and attempt some things on God's behalf and with God's help that are maybe a little bit beyond us, so to speak. So if you haven't heard, I just want to kind of turn this to this next slide here and you can check this out. This is the name of the book. One of the weirdest titles you'll ever know, uh, ever hear. It's called In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day and it is written by Mark Batterson. It's not a new book. It's been out for a good long while but it is rated really highly 4.8 stars on Audible with over 1,400 ratings and I just put this down. All right, listen, I'm gonna be honest with you because I know that some of you are not what you would call readers. I get that. I understand that. This book is about five hours long on audiobook, so that's probably about the same length of time that it would take you to read it if you chose to get a hardback copy or a printed copy. And I will just tell you, if you're not familiar with Audible, Audible is a pretty interesting thing. And no, I do not receive a kickback, so just bear with me for a minute. But I have been able to read literally... Uh, I started to say hundreds, maybe not hundreds, but probably pretty close to 100 different books on Audible by being a member for $15 a month. And so they just kind of auto-debit my card, and that means that every time somebody says, hey, have you heard this book, or have you read this book, or did you ever read this particular thing uh, written by so-and-so, I can usually go online and Audible and just say, choose it, 
apply my credit for the month of August, and off I'm going, and I can listen. And if you're listening to podcasts or if you're ever listening to the radio and you're like, you know, I'm really not in the mood to deal with music right now, but I'd like to hear something, maybe Audible might be for you because it's a good way to grow even when you're just doing other things. And that's part of what's wonderful about audiobooks is if you're mowing the lawn, you can read a book. If you're doing other things like dishes or whatever, you can read a book. So I do not receive any kickbacks, but if you're looking to grow as a person or individual, that might be for you. And you can check it out and uh, get in there and uh, hopefully it'll be something that you might do. Now, y'all don't be setting that up right now, okay? Now, don't be doing that to me. It'll be like, Pastor Randy, it took me 30 minutes to set up Audible, so I heard the beginning and the end, and that was it. No, don't do that to me. Y'all hang in here, okay? Do Audible later. All right, let's go to this next slide, and let's talk about this. This something to learn right off the bat is the biblical books of First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and First and Second Chronicles are similar to the Synoptic Gospels. They're accounts of the same events told from a different perspective. And so there's actually a couple of different verses that pretty much say the same exact thing, but from Second Samuel chapter 23, listen real close. Benaniah, son of Jehoiada, was a valiant fighter from Kabzeel, and he performed great exploits. He struck down Moites' two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. So now you know this is straight from the Bible, in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. That's where the title comes from. Now, hold on just a second. This is one of those verses that you might have read and you might have just zoomed right on by. But that's a baller move, isn't it? I mean, that is, that's awesome. Listen to this. He says, he went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. Now, I'm going to tell you, if that were me, I'll tell you how that happened. I slipped and I fell in on accident, I promise. Because I am not exactly what you would call brave. Okay, and if there's a lion, I'm cool with it as long as there's about that much glass between me and the lion. Or if there's this one big long pit that he can't jump. And by the way, did you know that lions, even though they're about 500 pounds, they can literally jump up to about 30 feet? Whoa, that's a lot. Next time you're at the zoo and it only looks like it's about 15 foot that they got to jump to get across to you, remember this sermon, 30 feet, and let them in the front row be a little closer to them, you know, just be like, hey, yo, I don't need to see any better than I already do. Y'all just go ahead right where you are. Yeah, lions are, they're bad. I mean, they are bad. And I don't know, can we go back to the title slide real quick? Does anybody just go, oh, does it give you a little bit of a chill down your spine when you look at that? I mean, I wish I had eyes that color. I wish I had a beard that good as well, but that's a whole nother issue. This is the thing, man. Lions are not to be trifled with. But this is the whole story of the book. It is about taking advantage of the lions in our life that are really opportunities. And I want to tell you a little bit, and I'm going to share some different quotes from the book I think that will be encouraging and challenging and hopefully get you thinking in a little different direction. But if you, if you heard there from 2 Samuel chapter 23, you heard about Benaniah, and he is the guy who is in the pit with the lion on the snowy day. So let's keep moving and let's keep learning a little bit more. Let's go to more information about what we just heard. Let's go to this next slide. This is the passage from Chronicles. Remember, the synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they tell a lot of the same stories with just different details emphasized. It's like watching 
the intersection and you're standing on the southeast corner versus the northwest corner, you see it from a little different angle. And that's what is going on here in this passage of Scripture as well. And so you can read here, <clears throat> Benaniah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant fighter from Kabzeel, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. He struck down an Egyptian who was five cubits tall. Note, five cubits tall is approximately seven foot six. Go, wow, that's tall, right? That's tall. Let's go to this next slide, and you can see here in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, although the Egyptian had a spear like a weaver's rod in his hand, Benaniah went against him with a club. Now, how many of you know you're not supposed to bring a, a, a knife to a gunfight? Can I see your hands? Benaniah basically brought a knife to a gunfight. The guy had a spear, a huge, heavy spear, and he had a club in his hand, but he snatched the spear from that Egyptian's hands and killed him with his own spear. Wow. Benaniah is one bad dude, right? I mean, this is a guy that you would hear about and go, wow, I want to grow up to be like him. As a matter of fact, if you read the scriptures, you recognize that in that time, David, the king of Israel, the man after God's own heart, had a number of people that were kind of like his personal bodyguards. As a matter of fact, he had kind of an elite section, an elite troop, and they called them the 30. And there were approximately about 30 men. But then there were also three others that were not necessarily included in that number of 30, but there were three others that had done a lot of things and had become really, really famous for their exploits along the lines of Benaniah. And so as you look at this, you see these kind of guys are the kind that go over and above and beyond. They do the kind of things that most people don't even attempt, much less succeed at. And that's where we hear from Benaniah on this in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. And there was a mention in the book about how many outs Benaniah had to deal with. Let's go to this next slide real quickly. He was outgunned. He was spear versus club. And by the way, he was not seven foot six. He was outmanned. He faced two Moabite warriors at one time. And he was outclassed. He faced a lion in a pit on a snowy day. I promise you, the, the weight of the lion, the athleticism of the lion, all of these things, they all played into the fact that Benaniah was outmanned, outgunned, outclassed, and yet he came out alive. And the only way he did that was through the power of God. Now, let me just show you. Just remember, I talked to you with you guys about that Egyptian that was five cubits high. That's seven foot six. Let's just say this. Y'all know who these people are? Who's the guy on the left? Tell me out loud, y'all. Come on. Shaq, did you know that, yeah, there's lying in basketball. Trust me. You know, there's no crying in baseball, but there is lying in basketball. Shaq is only actually about six foot 11. They list him at seven foot one. He's really actually only about six foot 11. And I actually have seen Shaq in real life at my gym back in the day when I actually used to go to the gym. Anyway, that's a whole nother story. There is also a guy on the right. Who is that guy? Come on, y'all. Kevin Hart. Y'all know who Kevin Hart is? Okay. He's the guy, the funny, funny guy from the Rock, uh, Rock uh, Central Intelligence movie and all that stuff and all that stuff. All right. So do you guys know how tall Kevin Hart is? They say he's five foot four inches tall. 
And they say that Shaq is seven foot one. They're both probably lying, to be honest, okay? Shaq is probably about six foot 11, and Kevin Hart, to be honest, is probably about six foot two or five foot two, okay? So that's what it looks like. Have y'all ever seen what seven foot six actually looks like? Let's go to this next slide. That's Yao Ming next to Shaq. He makes him look like he's little bitty. What is up with that, right? That is seven foot six. That's real life seven foot six. Used to play for the Houston Rockets. Breaks my heart every time I see Yao because, I mean, he's not around anymore. But yeah, seven foot six versus another really, really tall guy. And I'm going to be honest, he actually looks a little taller than that in most pictures. So can you imagine going up against a guy who's strong enough and big enough to hoist a spear and throw a spear around that looks like a weaver's rod? It looks like something off of one of those industrial looms. And he's seven foot six. And I'm sure people were going, who's going to fight that guy? Again, I tell you, I'm not very brave. I'm like, I don't know, man, but I'm going to pray for him, you know. <laughs> but what does Ben and I do? That's my guy. I got him. And it's an amazing thing to think about, that kind of courage, that kind of, let's just call it what it is, faith. You know, when, when, when David reached down and picked up all those five smooth stones to go up against Goliath, he didn't go, man, I'm a really good shot. I can't wait to do this because I know I'm good. What did he say? God is fighting for us. God is on our side. The reason you're going to not see another day is because there is a living God who is fighting on our behalf. That is why you will be delivered into my hand. Not because I'm good, but because God is good. And so let's just be honest about who Benaniah was. Benaniah was a stud. He was a mighty warrior. Dude was hardcore, but he was also hardcore about his faith in his God. And his faith was not the kind where it was all about, you know, I'm thinking about it, I'm considering it, and I'm praying about it. His was about action and doing in the moment. Now, I told you guys a minute ago, if I end up with a pit and a, you know, in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, it's because I slipped and fell. Let's be very, very clear. That's an action that you have to take to get there, right? Unless you slip and fall, you go into the pit with the lion. You guys with me? That's tough stuff. You make a decision to step out on faith and say, I don't have to do this, but if I do, it is gonna be an amazing thing. God's gonna have to show up in order for me to make it out alive. This is what's going on in Benaniah's world and in his life. All right, let's go on here. Y'all are thinking about Shaq and yeah, let's keep going. But here's the deal. Such were the exploits of Benaniah, son of Jehoiada. He too was famous as the three mighty warriors. You remember I mentioned them a minute ago. And he was held in greater honor than any of the 30. You remember I mentioned that a minute ago, right? Okay, but he was not included among the three. And David put him in charge of his bodyguard. Let me ask you a question. I highlighted and I italicized that so you would not mention how many of you figure you know what David was thinking whenever he put him in charge of his own bodyguard? Can you kind of just guess, right? You're, you're like, dude, if you go in to a pit on a snowy day and there's a lion down there and you know it, you can take care of me <laughs> if you come out, right? You can be my bodyguard because you are not afraid 
of anything. You're not afraid. You can be my bodyguard any day of the week. Can I get an amen on that, right? Amen. Those are the kind of people that you want them to have your back. The ones who say, let's roll up our sleeves, let's get this job done. God is going to work with us and for us, and on our behalf, God will give us the victory. So David puts him in charge of his bodyguard. Don't miss it. That's really important. Let's go to this next slide very quickly. Don't miss it. If we constantly are only doing what is prudent, we will never live a life inspired enough to be considered valiant. In other words, when he said, you know, in Chronicles, that he was held in higher esteem than any of these others, you know why? Because he did something that was not exactly prudent or smart, but it was incredibly valiant or brave. And so if we're constantly only doing what is prudent, we will never live a life inspired enough to be considered valiant. That's really, really important. Now, let's keep moving to this next slide, and I want to just kind of make sure that you don't miss. You might have said, hey, Randy, did you give the wrong scripture to Eric and have him read the wrong scripture? As a matter of fact, I did not. I did not. He read the right scripture, and I want you to follow along. What's happening in Matthew 25, verse 24 through 26a? The one who had received one bag of gold came and said, I knew you're a hard man, harvesting where you haven't sown, gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. So good news, you haven't lost a cent. Now stop for just a second, and let's just talk about the Christian life in our modern world. For most of us, we think that the thing that we're supposed to be doing more than anything else is just making it from A to B and making it through this life and not doing all the bad things. And so many of us think that all Christianity is about is stopping doing some things that we ought not do. Like we have a long list of don'ts in our Christian life, but very, very few of us talk about what we're doing for Christ on our list of do's. And here is what we have lost ourselves and lost our way. Here is what we have fallen into. We've fallen into the trap of thinking that the Christian life is basically just make it through and then we make it to heaven and things are good. But the truth of the matter is, is that Christ in his own words said, you're wicked and lazy if the only thing that you do is take what I've given you, bury it in the ground, and make it through this life. And at the end, you present it back to me and say, I didn't lose anything. But think back what he said to the, five, the guy who had five bags of gold or the guy who had two bags of gold. He said, you have done well. You've taken this, you've put it at risk, but you've gained. You've taken this, you've put it at risk, but you've gained. And then the one who said, I didn't take a risk, he said, you're wicked. And what's the next word there on that slide? What do you guys see there? Lazy. Can I just be honest with you? Way too many of us as Christians, we wear that label, we wear that shirt, we're on that team. But we live our lives as Christians as lazy as we would ever hate to see. We just simply make it through, and we don't try, we don't attempt. We don't give God our very best. Sometimes we don't even give him the excellence that he deserves. Sometimes you walk into these rooms and these doors where you're supposed to be worshiping the God who has saved your soul, and you come in and you're like, well, I don't really like that song too much, so I'll just sit through it and make my way through it. 
And then you kind of go through or you say, oh, you know, I'm not really feeling it because I, I got five and a half hours of sleep instead of seven. And so I'm just kind of going to sit here and just make it through today. They're lucky I came. And look, I get it. I understand you don't have to be here. But here's the thing. You are here in the presence of God. And my goodness, you're never really there on a daily basis, maybe once a week, maybe once a month you come to church. Why in the world wouldn't you give God your very best and sing from the bottom of your heart? Man, I am glad today. I actually had a little battery issue. I don't know if y'all knew that or not, but this is a fearful thing. This right here is a fearful thing because Scott will tell me sometimes, hey, you're already on. And I'm like, what? And he's like, you're going out you're being broadcast and you're being recorded right now, your voice. And so when I get on there and I'm like, test one, test, 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 test. He's like, hey, you're already on. You're, you're putting that over the airwaves right now. I'm like, man, oh no. And, but I'm telling you, it can be fearful. I was singing today and I looked down and I didn't have my mute button on. I was like, oh man, I'm supposed to be muted. I'm enjoying my music. I'm enjoying my voice, you know, like getting out there. But I don't really want it out there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, not all of us sound like Karen, you know, but I do when I'm really close to the speaker and singing right into it. I sound amazing, kind of like you in, this, in the shower, right? So here's the deal. It's very, very important for us to grasp. You don't have to be worried about your battery pack, so you can sing it out as loud as you want. And we got the music up loud enough for you to be able to sing as loud as you want and people not to be disturbed or bothered by your voice. But that's not the thing that's usually keeping us. It's not about embarrassment, is that our heart's not in it to the God who saved us, man. That's a messed up deal. That is messed up. I mean, where do we get off thinking that God deserves half-stepped worship? I don't get it. I really don't. And I, I, I just want to share with you, for all of us, we need to get in there and say, God has created me. He's blessed me. He's given me so much. I'm not going to fail to praise him. Even if I'm not feeling great, even if I'm not a tip-top shape, whatever, I know this. I'm not going to have another opportunity to say, you know, say these things and worship in this way for at least seven days. So I'm going to give at least the very best that I've got today. Because the truth of the matter is, is that we usually give God way, way less than he deserves, even when we give him our very best. Can I get an amen on that? Amen? So we need to do better. We really do. All of us. And it's not about outward. It's about inward and it coming through and it being something that moves us deeply. All right. So very quickly, I want to talk a little bit about more that we realize and grasp here. Let's go to this next slide and let's go to Ephesians. If you've read the passage of Scripture from Ephesians chapter 2, this is one that people usually will kind of say, hey, let's, let's kind of memorize this. For it is by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You've maybe heard people quote that. I've learned it back in the day from the King James Version. That's what I just kind of quoted to you. And this is going to be our one to remember, but I want you to look closely. It talks about how we have been saved through faith, and we're not saved by our works. It's not what we do. But then what does it say? For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, let me just give it to you, just break it down as plain as I can. You've been created to do good things in this world, period. End of discussion. You've been created by God to do good things in this world. This world should look better. Your family should be better than you because you have been in it. 
and than it would be without you in it. So ultimately, if you're not making your small circle, your larger circle, your big circle better, then there's a problem that maybe you've forgotten that that's why you were created. That's why I was created, to do good works that bring glory and honor to God. And whenever we try and attempt things that are difficult, it puts us out of our comfort zone, but it also puts us squarely in the power of God. Benaniah doesn't go into the pit with the lion on the snowy day and come out except for God's power. And so if he does not have that, he's not coming out. But he goes in and people begin to talk about, can you believe that happened? He was held in high honor, but you know who else got a whole lot of credit? Can y'all guess where I'm going with this? God got a lot of credit because he realized, everybody realized, he realized he was not there because he was great and valiant. He realized that God was using him. And so this is our one to remember. And it's that part of Ephesians. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So here's the question. If God has created you to do good works, are you? <laughs> are you doing them? Or are you just making it? Are you just getting by? Are you just saying, you know, hey, it's a good thing I know who God is so I can ask him to help me whenever I have difficult things that happen in my life. You know, because most of us are praying prayers that are all about us and not about changing our world for any kind of cause that goes deeper than ourselves. And if that's the case, somewhere we got it twisted, man. We got it twisted up where things are not supposed to be in that order. Because God created us in advance to do good works. All right, so let me just ask everybody to do me this favor. Would you guys all stand up together? Y'all all stand up real quickly. I don't normally do this, but we're going to go to this big idea. And I'm going to be honest with you. The reason I'm asking you to stand up is because I'm not even sure you guys are awake this morning. I mean, I'm not hearing a peep. I'm not hearing a, even a little bit of noise. And some of you on the couch, hey, wake up. Yes, you. I can't believe you fell asleep in my sermon. All right, so let's move to this next big idea. But I want you to hear, and this is a Mark Batterson quote. I want to be very clear. This is not my quote. This is straight from the book. So let's go to the big idea. And then I'll say it. We'll say it together. Success to me, this is what Mark Batterson said, success to me is to do the best I can with what I have where I am. Now, let me just say this very quickly before we all say this together, and you can be seated here in a minute. No, 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 not yet. You're like, oh, so cool. All right, hang with me for just a quick second. He was saying, you know, most of us are saying, well, I can't do this, and I can't do that, and we're ready to, you know, write ourselves off, and I can't do these things, and I don't have this opportunity and all this stuff, and you don't know where I'm at. <laughs> Excuse me. And you don't know what I'm dealing with and you don't know what I have to go through and all that. He says, sure, I get it. You've got problems. Who don't? That's, that's my version, who don't have problems. But here's the thing. Success is to do the very best I can with what I have where I am. Would you guys say that out loud with me together? Success is to do the best I can with what I have where I am. Now, do you believe it? You believe it? That's not hard. That's not hard. It's hard to continue. We all have this level in us, don't we? We've been that on our best day. If, if you've been that on your best day at least once in your life, give me amen, right? Amen. We've been there. We just don't live there. 
The difference here is living there, and that is something that naturally will not happen, but supernaturally can. Success is to do what? The best I can with what I have where I am. All right, you guys be seated. Thank you so much. And yes, you're a little bit more awake, so I'm moving forward. Here's one other thing that he said. Um, Very quickly, I want to just talk, uh, there's kind of a longer quote. Here's the point. God is in the resume building business. He's always using past experiences to prepare us for future opportunities. We're going to talk more about that in the next couple of weeks. But these God-given opportunities often come disguised as man-eating lions. And how we react when we encounter those lions determines our destiny. And then in the next slide, it kind of continues this quote. We can run in fear or we can chase down our God-ordained destiny by seizing our God-ordained opportunities. It's doing the best we can with what we have where we are. That's it. All right, very quickly, here's the problem for us. Most of us, we settle. We settle. We shouldn't, but we do. And why do we settle? Here's three reasons that we settle. It's just easier to half-step it, Right? I mean, can, can I get an amen? Not that you're amening half-stepping it, but that you would just admit, yeah, it's just easier if I give a half effort. You know, I can probably get by. Amen, right? All right, we half-step it because we can do it and we can get away with it. Now, we don't respect this, and sometimes it gets to ridiculous levels. I want to go to this next slide and check this out. These are people who were called to do something, and they half-stepped it to the largest degree possible. Yes, that was somebody painting a line on the road on the left-hand side. And rather than move the palm fronds that had fallen on the road, they striped the line, went around it, and kept going. That's horrible, isn't it? Okay, look at this. Do y'all know what that is on the right-hand side? That's a water pipe. Yes, that's a water pipe that's supposed to take water off of your ceiling or your roof, not your ceiling, your roof, and take it and flow it out. Well, somebody needed to put another pipe in there, so they just cut the water pipe. I mean, what difference would it make, right? Are you kidding me? Can you respect anybody who does their job in this way? No, you cannot. I mean, I respect that it's hilarious, don't get me wrong, but it's also mortifying, Can you imagine if you were the one who was paying the crew that striped that road like the one on the left? How many of you would fire them immediately, right? Like, you're done. If you thought that was okay, you cannot work for me any longer. I'm sorry, you just can't. Well, why in the world do we constantly half-step it for God and not expect that he would be disheartened, that his own children would not allow him to shine and be strong in their life. It's, it's crazy. This is why we settle. And let's share, uh, I want to just share this with you very quickly. Let's go to this next slide here. God wants, to get, uh, wants you to get where God wants you to go more than you want to get where God wants you to go. Here's what I mean. Sometimes, here is our excuse. Well, I don't want to do the wrong thing. I just want to be in God's will. So the best thing for me to do is just kind of sit here and not really get down the wrong direction. I mean, I know none of you have ever said that, right? None of y'all. But there are people, right? Let's just admit, I'm, I'm asking for a friend, right? This is something that people who are Christians, they make it sound spiritual to be lazy, to be less than mentally engaged, to give less than their best to God. And this is what you need to be reminded of. God can fix you taking a wrong step 
accidentally, very quickly. God wants you to be where he wants you to be more than you want to be where God wants you to be. That's what he's saying here. And it's so important for us to not get lazy, not get self-satisfied, but instead say, you know what, God? I'm going to proceed. And God, I'm telling you, I'm trying to do this the right way. But if I'm not, help me to understand, to go back and to restart again. Or to just correct my course. And how many of you know that if there's a God who has a plan for your life, he can fix it when you get off, right? He can. He can tell you and say, no, 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 son, hold on, right back this way. Now you're good. Now go. No, no, sweetie, sweet daughter, come back here, get back in this line, now go. He can do that, that quickly and that easily, but most of the time what he needs to do is push us because we're not moving in any way for him. All right, let's keep moving here very quickly. Ralph Waldo Emerson said these words. He says, the purpose of life is not to be happy. It's to be useful, honorable, compassionate, and to make a difference that you have lived and lived well. This is what a goal of life should look like. It's not just simply about making it through. So why else do we settle very quickly? Let's go to this next slide. The next slide here that tells us the other reason that we can be quick to settle. We're afraid to fail. We're afraid to fail. We're afraid to be embarrassed. We're afraid to be rejected. We're afraid to be and afraid to be and afraid to be and afraid to be and on and on and on the list goes, right? I'm not getting them all, but there are a lot of them out there, right? We all felt those fears. For some of you, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that if I, I had talked about this battery pack a minute ago, for some of you, if I came out, I said, I'm going to put this thing on your head, over your ears, and you're going to talk. You'd be like, no. Did you know that the number one fear is public speaking and number two is death? <laughs> yeah, we got it a little twisted, don't we? When we are more afraid, <laughs> we're more afraid to be talking about the person in the casket than be the person in the casket. That's a problem, as Jerry Seinfeld says. We're afraid to do all these things, and so we get run by our fears instead of having our fears run away from us because of the God that lives within us. Let's go to this next slide very quickly. Yeah, we all understand it, and we understand this fear, this face, and we live our lives that way even when the lights get on. Let's go to this next slide. Check this out. List of phobias. The ultimate list of the top, how many? How many? 100 phobias. But did you know that as a child, you were only born with two fears? Only two. Did you guys know that? Raise your hand if you knew that. I'm just curious if y'all knew. Do y'all know what they are? One of them is the fear of falling. That's right. And then the other one is the fear of loud noises. You want to scare a baby? Make a loud noise. They're going to start crying. You want to scare a baby? Do this. And they're going to freak out. They're going to be scared. Trust me. Had three daughters of my own <laughs> scientific reasons and purposes, I assure you, uh, you. know. So here's the deal. We only are born with two fears, and yet there's a list of phobia that includes over 100. Do you know how all of those happened? They got learned. They got learned. So here is the beautiful news that I have to share. Anything that you can learn, you can also unlearn. You do not have to be controlled by any of these fears. 
And so anytime you are being controlled by your fears, it's not natural unless you're worried about falling or a loud noise. <laughs> by the way, I've gotten over the loud noise thing for the most part, right? I'm going deaf, so it's helpful, right? So here's the deal. We can shrink our fears. We can unlearn these things that keep us so tied in knots. And for the people like Benaniah, he's not afraid to go into the pit. He's afraid to not go in there, to not do what he's supposed to do. It's an amazing thing how somebody like that flips the script and says, you know what, man, I'm doing this because God is with me. We need to be more like him, more lion chasers in our world. Let's go to this next slide very quickly. The three reasons why we settle, it's easier, we're afraid, and then can I just be blunt and honest? I mean, I'm just going to be blunt and honest. We've got built-in distance and built-in distraction in our lives, don't we? I mean, right? Go to this next slide. This is what it looks like in real life. Am I wrong? Y'all tell me if I'm wrong. Because you know, like, have you ever been on public transportation like a plane or a train or something like that, and somebody's crying next to you or visibly upset? What do you do? You're like, We find a way to maintain distance instead of be a heroic person who might say, hey, listen, I don't have all the answers, but can I tell you something? God loves you. Can I just pray for you? I'm going to say a real short prayer. I'm going to say this short prayer, and then I'm going to continue to pray for you. What, what's your name, by the way? Like, is that, a, is that a, a changing kind of interaction? That's the kind of thing where people go, I would never do that. I'd be fearful of what they'd say, or I don't want to make them feel bad. I'm afraid that they'd feel awkward. All of these fears that control us, and we will not go out of our own comfort zone to help somebody who desperately needs us. And unfortunately, these are our built-in distractions and our built-in excuses of not living the best life that we could. Now, I promise you, you can get your email real quick, but you might miss, uh, miss a whole lot of opportunities because this has kept you wrapped up and thinking about other things and not connecting with the people that you're walking right by all the time. And I'm going to be honest with you. I ain't talking to y'all. I'm talking to me. Because here's what I do. I go to the grocery store. And when I go to the grocery store, guess what I'm doing? I got headphones in. Nobody's hearing me. And I see people and I smile, you know, and all that stuff. But if they wanted to say something to me, if God pushed one of them to say, you know what, speak to that man. And maybe God would use me in that way. They won't. You know why? Because I've already got a built-in distraction, and they're probably already nervous about reaching out. So it's me, it's you, it's us, and we've got all these reasons why we think this is making our life better. No, no, it's making it more entertaining, it's not making it better. Sorry. Now I'm just meddling, right? I mean, now, now you really don't like me, I get it. But think about it. Because we talked about preservation versus purpose, and most of us are on the preservation track and not on the purpose track. And so it's a very, very different thing. Very quickly, don't miss this. Let's keep moving here. Don't miss this. No one would have blamed Benaniah for not chasing the lion, just like nobody's going to blame you for not speaking up to that person that's crying on the airplane, not speaking up to somebody who you know probably could use some help, walking out of your way and saying, can I help you with that situation that you're dealing with? Can I load your groceries for you? Whatever it is. 
What made Benaniah great is that he did what he did when he did not have to do it. When he did not have to do anything, he did that crazy, brave, powerful, amazing, God-honoring thing that they talked about for years and years and years. The kind of stuff that you want your life to be characterized by is not found in taking the easy route, in being most comfortable. It's not found in doing just the things that you have to do. It's found in doing the things that you don't have to do, but you chose to, and God showed up. That's the difference between a lion chaser and a person who's just simply going through the life and going through the motions. Very quickly, let's talk about this big question. Here's the big question. Do you feel like you're living at the level where you're a good example of what God can do in a life? I wrote down yes, and I wrote down no, and then I wrote down, well, in some areas. I'm trying to throw you all a lifeline, right? Because I, I know where I feel I am. I know where I feel like I'm fitting. It's not where I want to be. And I don't know if you can identify and understand. But here's what I would say. You've got to ask yourself, am I living at a level where I'm a good example of what God can do in a life that is committed to him? I would say, without a doubt, Benaniah was that dude. I mean, he was the guy. He had accomplishments and because of that, David said, I want you with me. You are now my bodyguard. You're the one I'm trusting my life with. These are the kind of questions that we have to ask ourselves if we're ever going to get on a different track. Because life has momentum. And most of the time, a body in motion stays in motion and a body at rest tends to stay at rest. For most of us. If we've hit the cruise control in our spiritual life, we tend to stay there a whole lot longer than we ever intended. It's just true. Amen. All right, let's go to this next slide. Very quickly, how do I apply this message? Choose just one area that you know you're not living up to a godly standard and make just one change this week. That's it. Now, I personally have already decided, I've read this book in preparation, and as I read this book, I would say this, I'm starting to pray about something and pray about God revealing something to me. And if you feel like you say, you know what, God, I know I'm just not where I need to be, and there's a lot of areas, but at very least it's some things that I know that I probably don't know the right destination yet, I would encourage you, let this be your time to start praying and start asking God, well, God, just reveal this to me, because ultimately it is about us saying, okay, I know this is a spot, And because of that, I'm going to start making this one change. Because for most of us, we don't need to change five or six or 12 things. We like to come up with this long list of this complete list. But the truth is, is if we just start making one, number two is a lot more likely to follow than if we have a list of 12 and don't know where to begin. So here's the thing I'm asking you to do. If you already know that God is saying you're not living up in this way that you treat your kids, You're not living up in the way that you treat me, in the way that you really don't have a time where I can hear from you and you hear from me. You're really not living up to the way that you ought to be in your work life, whatever it is and whatever it may be. All of these things are possible. Find the one and make one change this week and then let's let's move forward from there because God can take that momentum and use it in mighty ways. So let's make one change this week. All right, I'm ending right here. 
And let me just share something with you. Let's go to this next slide. How many of you guys know what this is? Y'all on the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Mount Rushmore. Guy on the left, George Washington. Guy on the right, Abraham Lincoln. Guy there and kind of the left, the second one in, Thomas Jefferson. How many of you know who the guy that's kind of barely seen, the number three out of four, who is that? Teddy Roosevelt. Very good. Okay. Hey, I'm impressed. Very good. Teddy Roosevelt. I want to talk about Teddy Roosevelt. I don't know if you know much about him. This guy was like Benaniah to me. He was so cool. <laughs> it's an amazing life that he lived. This is him when he was a president. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think that anybody really wears the monocles the way that this guy does. I mean, we need more presidential candidates that don't have glasses with actual sticks on the back, right? I mean, looking good, looking sharp, the presidential picture. But here's what he looked like way back in the day. This was him as a kid. And if you knew anything about Teddy Roosevelt, you know that when he was a kid, he actually was diagnosed with asthma. The kind of severe and debilitating asthma that literally they thought he was going to die from. So this is not always the case, but the way that it was in his case is, is that he just was resting constantly, never doing anything strenuous, never trying anything hard or difficult. And they were trying to fix him of his asthma. Now, I don't know much about asthma. I know that there are different types. And the one that he had was actually getting worse because his lung capacity was basically shrinking. And so his mom was worried and do this, do this, don't do that, don't do, no, 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 don't, 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 don't. Gotta be careful, gotta be careful. And he kept getting worse and worse and worse. Finally, his dad took him and sat him down and he said, son, if we let your body continue to dictate to you how your life will be lived, it will kill you. We're gonna have to try something else and try something new. And so Teddy Roosevelt, as a young man, started working harder, started hitting the weights back in the day when there was no such thing as a gym, right? He started lifting weights. He started going on hikes. He started spending more time in nature than he did inside. He became the outdoor president. The reason he's on Mount Rushmore is because he had the conservancy idea of building national parks. He added tons. I'm not going to go into it all. But he was the outdoor president. He was the president who, before he became president, volunteered for a outfit called the Rough Riders. Have any of y'all ever heard of the Rough Riders? The Rough Riders were a voluntary group. He's there in the middle. He's the colonel. He volunteered to go and put his life on the line in his own expense to go and fight for his country. That's pretty baller, right? I mean, that's pretty awesome. And so as you look at him, you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. Here's the most incredible thing that you may or may not know. I've shared it with you, but maybe you missed it. Here's what actually happened to him. This is from Wikipedia. It's quoted from the New York Times story of the incident. He was presidentially campaigning. Roosevelt assured the crowd that he was all right whenever he was attacked. And here's what he said. He said, I don't know if you know this or not, but I have just been shot. <laughs> they literally fired a bullet into his chest before he began his presidential speech. 
which by the way, lasted for 90 minutes, 90 minutes. He said, I'm gonna continue this speech. I'm gonna give this speech. I came to give it. And it's gonna take a whole lot more than that to put down this old bull moose. He called himself a bull moose. That's, that's pretty cool. I mean, so he took a shot in the chest, stood up and campaigned for 90 minutes, and then he went off and got medical attention. Pretty incredible. How did he do that? How did he do that? Because he remade himself with the choices that he made. He was told early on, you're going to have to seize this opportunity or it's gonna kill you. And so he said, no, 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 I'm gonna remake my body. And he became the outdoor president. He became that guy that he wanted to become, that man of adventure, that botanist, that you know, philanthropist, all of the different things that he became. Let's go to this next slide very quickly. And here is what he said. He said these words, the credit belongs to those who are actually in the arena, those who strive valiantly, who know the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, and spend themselves in a worthy cause, who at best know the triumph of high achievement, who and who at worst, even if they fail, they fail while daring greatly so that their place will never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. In other words, you're never more alive than when you're risking something that's bigger than you for a cause that is greater than you. And for most of us, we're living our lives all about our comfort and not about his kingdom. And that's why we as Christians feel like we're not quite in the game. If we choose instead to say, God, use me for your purposes, whatever that may look like, we become people who are a whole lot less timid, a whole lot less cold, a whole lot less fearful, and a whole lot more valiant in the way that we want to live our lives. And by the way, can I just say something? People are inspired not by prudence, but by valiance. They're not inspired by, here's the bag of gold. They're inspired by, I invested, and here's five, five additional. This is what God desires for us to be, the lion chasers and the lion hearted instead of those who are worried all the time about our own safety. Heavenly Father, make us brave in our hearts. For many of us, we know, we know, we know at the very core of our being that we are not living the kind of life that we should be living for you. We are not the kind of godly example that inspires others to follow you. Lord, you are in the resume building business and may we be examples of your power on display through imperfect people, but done for your kingdom and for your cause. God, work with us, be with us, lead us, improve us and help us to live less on fear and more on faith. In Jesus' name.